And good afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laron Landis and the late Patty Fink. It Hi, is this is Patty Fink and you're listening. And there's Patty again. <laughs> and because I had the player set wrong. Uh, it is Pride Month. Welcome to the first of our Pride shows. Yeah, yeah. And first our, week in a Pride. Our guest is uh, Dr. Greg Kaysan. Uh He is... Oh, Patty forgot her headphones. We'll run down to my car and get a separate set out of the car. Um, I totally walked out without them. And our our guest is Greg Kaysan. Greg, you there? Yeah, I'm here. Good. Um, yeah. And let me just give Patty these instructions. This is community radio. <laughs> if you go into the back of my truck, uh, it's in a green bag. You'll see old Doc headphones. See, we know a lot about you because you drive a truck. <laughs> well, an SUV. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> I know um, a lot about a man by the car you drive. Yeah, I have a real manly <laughs> truck. Um, <laughs> Greg is uh, Greg is known as the Beverly Hills psychiatrist. He's licensed in Texas oh. and California. Um, do you know what I wrote at first? What? The Beverly Hills madam. Oh wow! And then I thought, no, no, no! Oh. I have the right. Oh wow! I have the right state, uh, but uh, uh, the wrong or the Hollywood madam, I think, is what I I had originally. Hollywood madam. Greg, well, I will say though, we charge by the hour, and <laughs> you know, yeah, for a relationship. So there are some similarities. Yeah, I'm sure you've been called a lot of things, but probably never that. <laughs> That is true, but I'm highly complimented. I was up early, <laughs> what can I say? And I was working late last night because it was our Pride Festival. Right. Uh, which brings us to our topic today, Pride and Prejudice. Yes. Um, yeah, and it's our Pride Festival, too, out here in Los Angeles. And by the way, I just wanted to correct, because if there are many, any mental health people out there that, you know, we're all so weird about things. I'm actually a psychologist. I have a PhD in psychology. Psychology. From the of Houston. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, um, but hi, it's good to be here. Yes, I wanted to talk about Pride and Prejudice. And it was so interesting to me because when we talked about this idea, it was just sort of bubbling this the amount of stuff that's starting to come down <laughs> now, uh -huh. uh, the day has arrived, and boom, we're just seeing a cavalcade of, you know, anti-gay legislation, anti-trans legislation, and things going on across the country. So it's a concern. You know, and for all of those anti-government, anti-gay protesters out there, you're costing our government a lot of money because our uh, parade today is going to be swarming with police. They have every intention that nothing bad is going to happen. Well, let's hope so. And those prejudiced people or who, who feel the need to go and protest and disrupt peaceful events, they could care less about that. They could care less about how much they're costing the government. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess, but... Uh, no, no, you're exactly right. I don't think that is their agenda. I think, you know, I, I think that the people who are actually pushing a lot of this stuff, we can talk about this, but I think there are some very 
different forces here. I don't think it's, it's maybe partly organic, born out of fear because of certain things and certain, you know, television stations pushing their agenda and certain politicians, et cetera. But, I mean, ultimately, I think what's happening, there's this sort of tidal wave that a lot of people who are looking into this sociologically have actually linked to the overturning of Roe v. Wade, and the right no longer has a boogeyman. So now they need to refocus on their other traditional boogeyman, which is our community. Well, let's talk about um, pride, first of all. Um, yeah. It, it's one of the seven sins. It goes. Uh, it's up there with things like gluttony and sloth. Pride? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why aren't people more anti-sloth? Because it feels so good. Uh, I mean, I, <laughs> you know, the, uh, and sloth, the animal, is a very cute, uh, adorable animal. So uh, I don't know. We're just, uh, you know... It's funny about pride, but I think there are two types of pride. There's like a hubris or a false pride, and I think that's what the seven deadly sins refers to, you know, being overly proud of yourself to the point of uh, conceit. And then there's being proud of yourself where you once came from a base of fear, which is really about most people in our community. So the pride that we're talking about is just being proud of who you are, not as opposed to being ashamed of who you are. Exactly. And isn't that powerful? I mean, you guys do this show every week, which is incredible. And I can't help but think that every time people tune in who feel a connection to the community and slowly but surely come out of their own shell and become more proud about their own identity. Well, that's certainly one of our goals. Uh, I know for yeah. years we've we've heard people tell us years later, oh, I used to always listen to you on Sunday. It was the only connection I had to the community. Or like Patty, the one that you always uh, tell. Right. This um, student at Baylor University, my alma mater, um, would drive from Waco to Hillsboro because it was the first place to get the signal, the radio signal, <laughs> um, closest to, to his campus. And he would sit at a rest area for, back then we were on t- for two hours on mm-hmm. Sunday nights, and he would do homework and listen to the show in his car and then drive back to Waco. And he'd do that every Sunday just for some sort of connection. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, incredible. And we've had people tell us that we've saved their lives just by having that connection. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, it's just a, it was a little moment this week. I was watching Stephanie Rule on TV, and at the end of her show, she always does something uplifting, like the last few minutes, something uplifting. And she talked about pride and in thinking about all the horrible, horrible things that have happened um, recently, particularly in our own state, um, attacking our community. It was really meaningful when she said, to the to the LGBTQ community, we see you, we hear you, we need you, and we support you. Mm-hmm. And that actually like really penetrated for me because that was like I needed to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm an activist. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> so, but it's 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 important. It's so important. Um. Yeah, I actually think those are those are actually the thought leaders and leaders in our community, people in the media, and having them express those kinds of opinions is extremely powerful. 
Um, so, yeah, I'm really glad she did that. And I will say, um, Patty, if you want to really, you have to follow her on Instagram. She's really quite incredible. Oh, really? She's quite sexy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Quite a sexy presence on Instagram. <laughs> <This new lady. laughs> well, I could go. I'm a big fan of hers. I could go on and on. She, you know, she left this great job. She was managing editor at Bloomberg, and mm, left yeah. to go do this show. But I do appreciate her every evening. I try to catch at least try to catch her whole show, but I try to catch the end of it because everything is, it's a it's an uplifting moment, and it's important I think for all of us in this day and age, to have things that we can smile or mm. even for a few moments about. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, because legislatively, this uh, session just ended with a an avalanche of anti-gay legislation passing. Eight bills passed, and there are things that are everything from uh, from book banning and book burning uh, to anti-trans health care to attacking ordinances that cities have passed uh, to attacking drag queens. But the compromise was they took the word drag queens out of the uh, legislation. But it's still intended. That's I mean, yeah. it's the target. Right. Right. Well, we, we know that. But <laughs> that was the compromise. The original bill was, yeah. you know, much more horrible. Um, talk a little bit about uh, the prejudice that goes behind that and... Uh, you know, you mentioned the Roe v. Wade legislation last summer, that that was the beginning of the anti-gay uh, push that we've seen over the last year. Yeah, uh, you know, that there's there's a lot now that, you know, sociologists are really looking at this turn, this really hard right turn that had to happen, because when Roe v. Wade was overturned and all of a sudden people on the right got what they want, and they they probably still want even stricter abortion control. And they do throughout the nation. Yeah, um, but nonetheless, they can't have that sort of boogeyman uh, that you know that thing that they can all point to and say that's our enemy and we've got to go after that. Now it's not that we haven't always been a boogeyman for uh, the right. It's just we haven't been an effective one since uh, gay marriage was overturned and we saw this really dramatic switch in attitudes that happened around the nation i believe it was in 2004 yeah 2004 um 30 percent of uh, people were pro or in favor of legalization of gay marriage and 62 percent were opposed to legalization when we advance to today it's it absolutely flips with 20 percent of people opposing legalization and 65 percent favoring uh legalization so we're seeing that switch in attitude and that that became a real problem and i think that in some ways we do see anti-lesbian gay um, attitudes being pushed but we really see it focused on the trans community and the trans community sort of being that you know very convenient uh people they can point to who are wearing wigs and dresses and you know what's so interesting too i don't know if you noticed but i haven't seen a lot of push on right-wing media and i i do look at it and read it and i try to keep up with what other people are saying and what's going on i haven't seen really anything 
that demonizes women dressed as men in drag. Oh, never it's is. It's only the other way around. <laughs> never is. Never we're is. always the stealth lesbians. Yeah. I'm telling you, it's, you know, <laughs> that's why there's the, there's the phrase, you know, men in drag is funny, women in drag is Armani. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. That is, that is good. <laughs> uh, the, um, you learn something new every day. Well, and we're not a threat. If, if, if a trans man goes into a men's restroom, they don't feel threatened. No, not at all. You know, they, it's always about the women and children. It's such a daddy state. I mean, they complain about a nanny state, but the, the far right lives a daddy state. They want the daddy state to take hold in everything. So daddy makes the decisions for everybody. Daddy knows best. That's what it's about. It's controlling women. It's controlling everyone who's not like them. It's control. And... I, I, I don't see an end to it. Yeah. Pardon me? No, I 100% agree. And I think I've mentioned this maybe before, but it's a book I was very um, influenced by. Small book written, I don't know, I think in the 70s, 80s. It's called Homophobia is a Weapon of Sexism. And it's written by a woman named Suzanne Farr. And basically, this book, uh, she makes the case that homophobia really is about anti female attitude and that seeing men with other men or in the position of women is very very threatening and then seeing women who take a more masculine stance is also very threatening so it really does come down to this anti uh, feminist or anti female uh, attitude that sort of underlies homophobia and we're also seeing underlying anti-trans legislation, too. It's really kind of fascinating to me in many ways. I, t I totally agree with that, and I thought for that for a long time, but not for the same reasons that you say about women and that, you know, w women are, are you know, I, I see them as, as thinking that women are unapproachable, like this, this is unattainable, you cannot get this woman. Like, you know what I mean? There is that women have been yes. excluded from their pool of control. Yeah, yeah, this I, is I can actually see that. A, a big issue now. Yeah. No, I this uh, you know this issue you can kind of go into that, and I've actually heard this from people right up close in therapy and other places that they identify as an incel. You know, and this is uh, coming from the straight community. You don't hear this from the gay community. But, you know, identify as somebody who's involuntarily celibate. And this group of people um, blames the women for the fact that they can't get a female or a woman instead of themselves for being socially awkward and not being able to, you know, be normal around a woman, which could go <laughs> very far. <laughs> Do you think part of the um, prejudice has to do with just simply not understanding in the way that I don't understand a heterosexual relationship? Uh, you know, I just don't get it. I do get gay relationships. I understand lesbian relationships, but straight relationships mm -hmm. right over my head. Um, <laughs> oh, I get them. They're just not they're just not for me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I, Dave has been so nice. <laughs> I, I, I don't think it's just a matter of, uh, of them being not understanding. But, but in the same way, do you think it's that they don't understand what 
uh, transgender actually is? Oh, gosh, yes. Absolutely, David. Um, I, I think that there is a not, uh, not understanding, but I think there are several layers to this. I don't think it's just that. Um, but absolutely, you know, being not familiar has a way of hardening attitude. So when people aren't familiar with a group, when they haven't seen them up close, don't have friends, don't have family, don't have a relationship with people, let's say, who are trans, uh, trans, gay, lesbian, whatever, that they don't know, they just kind of project the attitudes that are told to them by society. And, and whatever their personal reference groups are. So if they go to a certain church, watch a certain television station like Fox News or Newsmax, they're being told the attitudes to have toward this community. So that lack of familiarity can't be countered by anything. Um, so they absolutely look at this community in a, an opaque and two-dimensional way. So that is a big part. We also see negative attitudes, and this is, you know, one we don't talk about very much, but when people have feelings inside of themselves where they identify, but they don't like those feelings, they can often react against somebody who does outwardly project that reality. This is called reaction formation in Freudian psychology, but it's actually a very helpful concept. It's basically, we see this in um, homophobia, that the men who express the most homophobic attitudes, um, actually, when they put them on what's called a penile plasmograph, that's putting a, put men uh, with a little um, monitor on their penis, um, and then they show them porn, straight and gay, the ones who express the most homophobic attitudes seem to, um, have their penis fill with blood more. So bottom line, they are inside attracted to the gay porn, but expressing a much more negative uh, attitude toward gay men. So we, there are, I think there are different things going on. That's why I'm always very suspicious of people who are too rabidly anti-anything. <laughs> I really wonder often what is going on with that person inside because sometimes there could be more to what than what they're sharing well i think i think that's what happened with the governor of uh tennessee who you know is rapidly pushing this anti-drag queen legislation it passes and the day it passes they find pictures of him in drag and he says oh that's different it's different right because that was lighthearted entertainment Right. Wait, well, what do you think drag, <laughs> drag performances are? Exactly. Right. Right. <laughs> right. And, and then uh, which legislator was it here in Texas who uh, they found in drag also? Oh, I, can't, I can't remember. Uh, I hadn't heard about that. Oh, yeah. It was whoever, right. whoever wrote the <laughs> anti-trans SB12 uh, bill originally. Oh, yeah, and it's all exactly about the... Right. About protecting the children, the children, the children, and then we find all of these, I mean, we're talking about LGBTQ people and, and people who are not, um, you know, white Christian nationalists are groomers and somehow grooming children, and yet uh, we constantly see these things. I mean, it just happened yesterday with the guy that was a, a school district superintendent 
you know, and, and having sex with kids. And, and Repre like, Representative Slayton, who got thrown out of the legislature because he's canoodling with his 19-year-old intern. Yep. And, it, you know, it's like, where do they come up with this stuff? I think, like, every, every accusation is a confession at this point. <laughs> I mean, seriously, that is exactly... <laughs> That I would I would stay very much with that theory for a while. <laughs> we'll talk a little bit more about it after we take a break. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. Our guest is Greg Kaysen. He is a Beverly Hills psychologist, uh, also licensed in Texas, so you can listen to him here. We'll be back with more Lambda Weekly <laughs> right after this. Hi, this is Patty Fink, and you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here with uh, the late Patty Fink and Leron Landis, and we're talking to Greg Kaysen. He is, and I almost said Hollywood again, he is in Beverly Hills. You can say Hollywood. You can say West Hollywood. I'm, I'm actually, yeah, no. I mean, I yeah, I I actually am on the border of Beverly Hills, so I'm right by West Hollywood. I'm right by L.A. and I I live in Hollywood, really technically, really it's called West Hollywood, but there's a you know, so I, I live I couldn't live more at the crossroads of those towns. <laughs> it's all one thing. Whenever so, I go to L.A., it's just oh, one big smear. Yeah. One. yeah. <laughs> it yeah. is to us too. So don't, in fact, Beverly Hills has a little bit of a negative tinge uh, I always laugh that you know some of the worst um, medical care is actually in Beverly Hills but people pay the most um, but you know I mean there are some very good people too so you can't make that kind of blanket <laughs> statement but there are some there are some bad eggs unfortunately but anyway so before the break just because of the town <laughs> yeah before the break we were talking about um, I guess you laid out some uh, several reasons about, you know, misunderstanding, you know, the, the prejudice side of this. And uh, one of the things that I I would mention and see what, what your take on it be would be, I guess, the lack of critical thinking skills. And there's all kinds of things in this world that I don't understand. Um, communities I don't understand. Religions I don't understand. And, but I am not going out protesting, trying to get legislation passed to keep them from doing it um, as long as they're not hurting me and also when I encounter or meet people who have different cultures than myself or different religions I actually like to listen and find out why do you do certain things or why do you do this on a certain day you know so you know even when when so I that's why I say it's not just about lack of understanding because when we try and explain and tell people about, particularly the trans issue, they still don't want to hear. They got their their fingers in their ears and they're done. Now listen, they don't want to understand. Right. No, I think you're very right. I think to have critical thinking skills, Ron, you, you really have to have an openness and mm -hmm. you have to be able to hold different realities at once. And what we see, though, are people that tend to be more conservative there may be a biological basis to many people's conservative beliefs um, because what they have seen is that people who are born with more anxiety um, as children and, and report more anxiety as children often will tend to grow up with more conservative 
uh, political beliefs, and that's been borne out in some research, just kind of interesting. Mm. Um, but what we see is people who have more anxiety-based uh, feelings tend to break the world into black and white. It helps them to manage the anxiety. They like to see things as right and wrong. And, and so you... I was just going to say it, it, it's it's fear-based as well. And that's why fear works so well with them, I think, is that they, they grow up with... It's a normal, comfortable... They're comfortable with their fear, their anxiety, because they, that's all they've known. And then you tap that fear, boy, you can just really, you know infuse a lot of a lot more inside people who believe that way you really can and i you know i i say if i weren't born gay i would be one of those people and i i this is why i make that case is because my father was extremely um uh right wing he still is what am i saying he still is um and uh he he was very uh, he expressed negative attitudes towards people and he uh had issues when i had uh friends of different races um and when i was a kid it was a little like concerning to me on many levels i didn't quite understand i remember just being floored by these beliefs like why does he think these things and then my um my mother was also an anxious person, but she was, but she was very open to people. She was a little bit different. The as I grew, being gay, I had to really adjust to a reality that, number one, that I was, uh, you know, different than my family. But number two, that if my family knew my identity, I would be rejected. Um, so I did a lot to try to hide my identity when I was a child. Probably not very effectively. As, Many of us try, but you know we still can be <laughs> right. Um, but uh, but nonetheless, um, it, you know that created a great deal of problems for me. Um, but it also made me go, wait a minute, these beliefs, these rigid beliefs that my family expressed, I don't buy into them um, because that would mean rejecting myself. And as a result, that really helped me to open up. You know, both to myself in a healthy way, but also to other people and other lands. Uh, and it's the primary reason I spent time in Texas, um, because I was raised out here uh, in California, and I thought I need to experience a different culture, and I need to. <laughs> you need to, to go to a foreign people. country. <laughs> I need to go to Houston. <laughs> experience something very different. You know, little did I know I would be experiencing bugs the size of footstools. Right. Uh, and humidity 100%. Too funny. But, but I, did, I did really love the experience because it really helped me to, to really see people in a different way. That's why with people who are very conservative, I, I struggle with them because I know my family and I know people that I've met spent time with and cared about who didn't like me who didn't like what I was but yet they were good people otherwise so there's always a struggle in my belief is hopefully I can help them to see that those negative attitudes are actually damaging and they're very hurtful to other people I, 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 I really just connected with what you were saying um, about how your parents 
how your parents were, how you grew up, yeah, you were able to see it different. Um, I can't tell you how many kids I grew up with. Um, Houston. In in Houston. But then what I'm about to share happened here in Dallas. Um, I grew up, you know, around, you know, predominantly white uh, schools um, all my life. But it wasn't until I got to Dallas that it was really bad, um, Dallas-Fort Worth. But anyway, uh, but I've always been just kind of like amazed of kids who did grow up with, you know, let's just say prejudiced parents, yet they were able to somehow see it different, even though they were being raised that way. I remember once, I think I was in seventh grade, I was walking home from school with a boy, white. Um, He just lived like two streets over from me. And... At, at school, we got along great. We, you know, we were friends in school. Outside of school, we didn't really hang much. And then I found out why. We were walking home, and we got like two houses from his house. And he literally stopped because you can't come any further. And I was like, "Why?" He goes, "You can't come to my house. My dad doesn't like the N word, and so you can't oh, you, wow. you can't come in." And I was like, "Okay, that's cool." And I just walked off. But that ne- I never forget that because I'm like, "Well, he doesn't act like that." But his parents are prejudiced. Wow. So do you think that really is an innate personality for someone <laughs> to just be open and see it different? I think you, uh, that's a good question. Um, I, we, we certainly know there are people who are, tend to be more conservative and more rigid about their beliefs. But we also know there are people who are more uh, open. Uh, and we need both people in the world. We need the people who are fearful and grab the handrails, and then the people who uh, dance on top of the handrails, you know, scare everyone else. Because you need kind of people who take big risks, and you need people who play it close. Um, And that kind of helps our society move forward. So I can't help but think that some people just are very naturally more open to other people. Um, Although I don't have, that's one thing I have to go look into. The... um, the what was I going to say? So the uh, the thing though that really makes a big difference is personal experience, um, and that is something that can really help. Uh, and really knowing people who are different from yourself and getting to know them as human beings can ha- help to carve through those negative attitudes yeah. and really help you to lose them because you no longer you realize quickly. I don't need to fear this person. Um, yeah. And you realize that at a gut level, not at a, not at a head level, not a thought. You're changing your experience, which changes it at the gut level, which helps you to let go of the fear, to be there, to be more um, at ease. And I just wanted to throw in that not all of us come from conservative families. When I came out, and I'm the most <laughs> conservative person in my family. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and you don't even touch conservatism. When I came out, I think it was a relief to my family that, oh, good, we have one in our family now. So. <laughs> well, I remember years and years ago when I, when I was, like, early on um, on the show, I did an interview. I went to a GLAAD event um, and in, in, here in Dallas um, back when John McGarry was the, the president and CEO of, of GLAAD. And um, at that time, there was a hit show on called Six Feet Under on HBO. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, one of the actors from that show, um, um, Matthew St. Patrick, 
was um, at the GLAD event, and I got an opportunity to interview him, and then I played the interview on the air uh, the following Sunday. But I remember a story he told about, uh, now this, this actor's straight. Mm-hmm. He played a gay character on Six Feet Under. And uh, up until that point in his career, he had, um, he was living in New York City, and he was from the South, uh, but living in New York City and, and was on a soap opera. So, I mean, it's daily work. He said it was, you know, it's, it's income. Right. The way he sees it as an actor is, you know, I've got a job. Right. He was <laughs> but, still up and coming. Yeah, yeah. But it was get still you, a good... Get, get work where you can get it. Exactly. Get your name out there. Well, he went and auditioned for, with Alan Ball for Six Feet Under, and he got this part. And he was so excited, and he called his parents and to tell them about this advance. He was going to be on a, on a premium cable series. You know, I mean, like, this is a step up in his career. Um, and so he's, he, he starts talking to them about it, and his dad misunderstood him and thought he said that he was gay. And wow. began saying, don't ever call here again. You're no longer my son. Don't, don't try to reach out to me or your mother ever again. We don't want to speak with you. We don't have that kind in our family. You're done. And he's like, dad, 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 stop, stop, stop. I didn't say I was gay. My character that I'm going to play on this show is gay. And his dad said, oh, okay, well, never mind. And wow. he just said it, it has, he said it, it was like tearing through his life because he can never forget that. He yeah. can, now he knows exactly what kind of man. The cat, the cat's out of the bag. Yeah, exactly what kind of man his dad is and always has been and always will be. Yeah. And... Um, he said it was it was transformational for him, and so he wanted to tell his story at, out and about to to LGBTQ people because um, yeah. it it's not even um, exclusive to us. Straight people can experience that kind of hate, literal hate yeah. that you would disown your child yeah. in that yeah, way. And like, oh, never uh, mind. <laughs> anyway, it's. <laughs> Um, you know, we're not the only ones experiencing this kind of stuff. I want to go back to Pride. Uh, Yesterday was kind of interesting at our uh, festival, and today the parade is a a perfect example of what I'm talking about, and that's all the corporations that have jumped on the bandwagon. Of 125, I believe, entries in the parade, 15 of them are gay groups. The rest of them are corporations. I, I thought that was a huge jump. Um, yesterday, you know, Dallas Voice that I write for, we had a big table. And right across from us was that well-known gay organization, Walmart. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about Walmart. Um <laughs> I was so surprised. You know, we shop at Wally World. You know, hey, it's it's economical. Anyway, um, for the the past month, they were really ahead of it. Before, they didn't even wait till Pride Month got here. Um, There's a big display in the middle of Walmart. When you walk in, the one that we shop at, with all kinds of um, um, Pride gear. You know, T-shirts, mugs, cups necklaces, everything, and Danny and I, my husband, were like, this is at Walmart? (laughs) So they've come a long way. They have. They've come a long way. 
they, they really have. But, but it, it, you know, we see more increasingly, I guess, kind of complaints about pride becoming too c- commercial or corporate. What's the bad side of that? Or is there one? You know, I agree with you, Lon. I know there's rainbow washing, which has been a concern that people are just doing it to try to get the LGBT buck mm-hmm. um, and try to look like they're, um, you know, above the fray. But what we're seeing, though, now is that, of course, you've been reading about, I'm sure we have a great deal of it happening out here, people going into Target and tearing down displays, people they're protesting in elementary school that had a pride thing that's not not a commercial thing but you know the um these kinds of things that are going on just in these kind of normal displays even chick-fil-a chick-fil-a which i would not call in any way even a moderate moderate (laughs) organization i know definitely a right-wing organization they're getting pushback because they they, it was discovered they have a DEI director it's a diversity, equity, inclusion, for people who don't know. That's a person who's in charge of diversity within the company. Because they have someone in that position, they people are now advocating boycotting Chick-fil-A. And Chick-fil-A's yeah. had that person for a year. Yeah. Well, it's Chick- new. Chick-fil-A's also getting heat for there's a, it's not a commercial, but I guess it's an advertisement. And there's a clearly LGBT person looks like a male, but they might identify. I'm not sure. Um, and there's a lot of questions about that. But it was a Chick-fil-A employee. And boy, if you go read the comments, it was lit. You know, a lot of uh, Chick-fil-A supporters did not like seeing that. So, uh, it, 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 it yeah. You know, um, now they're calling them woke. And I'm like, yeah, I don't think so. You might have one LGBT openly uh, employee. That doesn't make you woke at all. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? The majority of Americans yeah. see the word, even the term woke as something positive. I know. It's about being aware and eyes open to people who are not exactly like you. Right. I'm proudly and, woke. And cultures well, and history yeah. and languages and... And everything about other people who are not exactly like you. It's about being polite, respectful, I, and professional with others. No, Patty, I'm glad you have a definition for it because what I found is, at least among the people I know, especially people who more adhere to right-wing causes, they will use woke at the drop of a hat about how terrible it is. And when I hear that, I, I will just ask them, what does woke mean? And they can't give me a clear answer. So right. what you just answered is a very nice, clear answer. But when they they seem to see it as this thing that they can't even define but is so bad and is somehow hurting us. That we have to outlaw like, well, it. What is woke? Yeah, yeah. we have to outlaw it. I think their definition of woke is that it's anything they don't like. Yeah. It's yeah, pretty much. Is. Yeah. We need we need to take a break. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM, and we'll be back in just a moment. This is Rafael McDonald from Resource Center Dallas. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. And this is Lambda Weekly. Um, apparently, Dallas County is getting woke. Yeah, <laughs> imagine that. So I, I just want to share uh, Dallas, uh, um, Dallas County... Not the city of Dallas, but the county, different entity, 
Um, Dallas County is having its uh, its Pride event on June 28th um, this year. Um, it'll be at the Records Building in the lobby, and that's at 500 Elm Street, right across from Dealey Plaza. And you can park for free in the underground parking. Uh, so pretend you're a juror. <laughs> It's from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. on June 28th, and it's a resource fair. So there'll be information from um, tons of different community organizations, and you can go and explore and figure out if you want to get involved and how you might get involved in the community. Um, So go check it out. It's going to be June 28th from 11 to 2 uh, during the day at the Records Building. Um, downtown Dallas um, on at 500 Elm Street. So check it out. I want to go back to uh, you were talking about uh, corporations before the break, and I know you had mentioned Target and how, I guess, and I saw the video too, there was a man who went in and was just like losing his you-know-what and just destroying um, property, uh, store property. And from the video, that I, mm-hmm. the clip that I saw, no one even came to stop him. Um, so I don't know if he got arrested or not. But so Target, I guess the thing that, that, that amazes me about this, Target has been displaying pride uh, material and uh, forever. stuff forever. This is nothing new. Yeah. So, but now they're tar- one of the first. Right. Yeah. You're one of the first. So now they're tar- starting to take a step back. And I wonder, do you think in some 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 other organizations are trying, starting to take a step back? You know, we we saw what happened with um, what, was it is it Bush beer or Bud Light Anheuser Busch Anheuser Busch. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. you know, do you think they are starting to back down, and does that make the right wing seem like they're winning, or do you think this is just temporary? I hope it's temporary, but again, I actually think that this they're going to push on this hard if they can get this to catch as a movement they're going to be able to um, use it for political gain and so i do think that it's something we should be very concerned about i always think of you know when we look at people who express negative attitudes we saw our former president who's still out there expressing his negative attitude and people there are the people who are the leaders in this group, and this is the politicians, this is the uh, pastors, these are the people who are the leaders in this who express the negative attitude. There are the followers, and those are the people, the flock, and people who go along with what they say, etc. And then there are the people who do their bidding. This seems to be a third group. This tends to be the mentally unstable group of people the people that believe that the messages they're getting from the pulpit are are divine and that they need to follow them through. And I think that's the kind of thing we see. These people go out there and do crazy things, um, like go into a Target and pull down a display. That's the group Patty's in. (laughs) Right. (laughs) (laughs) You know, I do want to say this about Target. We went to Target the other day to pick out some pride shirts to wear to the festival. Everything they had Uh was so ugly. It was, I mean, we Uh looked at it and said, oh, this was designed by straight people. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it it was just, it was sad how, how bad all of it was. Right, right. Well, what I don't understand, though, is, is why it has to be violent. I know. And threatening. 
Um, and, and to me, because it is violent and threatening, and that's okay with them, that's totally, totally okay with them, that, that we're not entering the 1930s in Germany. That, that your hatred is entitled to be expressed through violence. Just, I mean, just the person but going I, in, the guy going in Target, knocking down a display and throwing it on the ground, and I mean, like, and, really? And, 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 and when they do the violence, the violence isn't checked. Yeah, I mean, Target, Target, obviously in the video, yeah, was I, not present. Yeah, it's like, no, Joseph I don't know what happened later on in the video. It cut off, but from what I saw, nobody did anything. And so here they say, okay, well, we're going to be violent. Target does nothing, so they won. They're mm -hmm. going to pull back their mm -hmm. pride stuff as in response to all this violence. So violence won. Mm -hmm. Violence is effective. Exactly. Violence is, yep. you know, that's what they're telling these people. And I just don't understand. You know, you see these, these famous sort of famous online photos of, like, women in the worst possible sneer of anger and hatred. Have you seen these photos mm -hmm. of mm -hmm. women in protesting mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and their faces are just contorted into this awfulness? And yeah. it's like, that's new for you about this issue. Like, most people um, mm -hmm. who are educated about the trans community know that kids don't have surgeries. Right. But there's a whole <laughs> sector of people out there who've been told that they do, and so now they're that angry about it. Yeah, yeah. It's like they, they were living life before, you know, oblivious to the lies they've been told now. Mm-hmm. And, and and didn't seem to care about us or anything going on in our lives, um, and now they're 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 just like vehemently angry about and, this and, stuff. And, and when you're trying to educate them, even calmly, like you know, look, that that's just not true. Yeah, even kids for, don't have surgeries. Kids, kids don't have surgeries. Never have. And you, not even just from getting it from uh, me or somebody who's not trans. You're getting it directly from uh, someone who might have a trans child. They still don't want to hear it. Yeah. I don't hear it. You know what company has gotten it right, though? Disney. Wow, they're taking it all yeah, the way, Disney, too. Yeah, yeah they, they lawyered Disney's, up, and they're not taking it. I wouldn't want to screw at Disney. I worked with for them for years in the park here at Disneyland when I was in high school and uh, a little bit in college. Um, they're a tough company, and they win their whole lawsuits. Now, they're up against the Trump judge in Florida, so who knows? Because, you know, things have, like we saw with Eileen Cannon, sometimes the judges operate from a political point of view rather than a legal point of view. But, um, but you know, Disney, they're tough, and they're not one to be, not one to play around. So Well, Disney already he pulled... on the wrong bully. <laughs> they did. Di they did. Disney already pulled a billion-dollar project out of Florida. They so did. The, the state sure state could win, but I don't see what they win. It would be like if Greg Abbott went after American Airlines or NASA or, you know, some massively exactly. huge employer in the state of Texas. Mm -hmm. <laughs> now, yeah, and that wouldn't surprise me at this point. Yeah. Oh, it wouldn't me either. It wouldn't <laughs> me either. You know, talking about prejudice, um, the film The Little Mermaid came out this week. Mm-hmm. And the reaction has been vicious to it because the lead actress is black. Um, first of all, I don't know if any of you know, what race 
are mermaids. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Or mermen. Great yeah. question. Mer, mer, mer people in general. What color are they? I've never seen a real life mermaid. So uh, I thought maybe one of you knew. No, maybe somebody's researching that around the world somewhere. Maybe we'll talk to the to the Bigfoot people. Maybe yeah. they know. Yeah, maybe but, they know. But isn't it oh. sad that people have to announce, I'm not taking my family to see that movie? Well, between one and two dozen films open every week. Do you make this announcement about every film that you're planning on not going to see? Right. And it made it was the fifth highest take on a on a weekend uh, yeah. of any yeah. of all movies so it, ever. Yeah. So she's she, she's laughing all the way to bank. Yeah. She, she's she's uh, fine. And I haven't seen it, but everyone I know who's seen it loved it. So I don't you know, well, I don't well, know yeah. how much of a review that is. But yeah, we went to go see it. First time being in a the movie theater in three years. Wow. Yeah. I haven't been since before COVID. They still, the popcorn's still very expensive. <laughs> it <laughs> Just is. FYI. It's actually, actually, it's more now. <laughs> but no, we did saw it. It's, it's, a, it's a very cute film. You know, Disney found an actress that they liked. She happens to be black. What is the, why is this even part of the discussion? And you know, I saw the directors. They, had, they did an interview with the director and a casting director for that movie. Because this has been, I mean, it was announced over a year and a half ago that that, that um, her name is Halle Bailey would be the lead actress um, for, for the live action version of The Little Mermaid. And I think a lot of people thought that they were trying to be woke and, again, trying to use it in a negative way, like oh, we're going to go and purposely hire a black actress. And that wasn't the case at all. They say she just came to the, she was the first one to audition and they just blew her away. It was as simple as that. Oh, wow. It was as simple as that. They had they auditioned like over three thousand girls or young women, and she just stood out. It was as simple as that. And like David said, she just happened to be black. What's wrong with that? <laughs> and you know what's crazy to me is like it, it would be like these people who object to her say every Barbie in the world, all your Barbies, all my kids' Barbies have to be white. Have to be white. And therefore, you know, screw you because your kid doesn't have a white Barbie. Because they have to be white. I mean, <laughs> they just make fools of themselves. They just out themselves as like these racists when something is centered on someone who's not white. Yeah. They yeah. can't handle they can't a world handle of any, with any content where it's not centered on white people. Right, right. You know. Yeah, go to a different movie. There are other things that opened that weekend. Watch a different Super Bowl halftime, you know. <laughs> I mean, like, get a grip, people. Yeah. You're just outing yourselves as major, major races. And I do want to point out again. It, you know. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I just want to say, you know, it is interesting about people who have these kinds of prejudice. They often don't see themselves as prejudiced. So when you ask them about prejudice they'll deny it usually because what they often will see is again they come from a place of fear and anything unfamiliar with them or doesn't fit into their locked view of what things are or should be and should be the big uh, word there um, in their mind that it's a threat and thus you know the trans community again people they're threatened by the trans community not mm -hmm. because they've actually ever heard of anything happening or seen anything happening but these people are scary to them because they don't know them 
and then they're told by their thought leaders that they're trying to sexualize their children or to uh, uh, groom them or to recruit them when I think most find children fairly annoying, so I'm not sure that that actually happens. <laughs> but, um, but no, it's, it just seems like a big... Um, it's just a big way to look to actually pull people. And I feel sorry for some of these people because I do believe that some of these people are basically corralled into this belief system because it's politically convenient for a certain group. Uh, this is in-group, out-group bias. It's a dynamic we know a lot about. Um, and it's used, it was used by people, um, dictators and authoritarian leaders throughout history to try to get people to on one side of an issue and to be able to uh, wield power. Yeah, othering is not new. It's Othering no. has been happening no. since the beginning of time. Um, and it's it's never ends well. Mm -mm. It, you know, it just needs to, it ends, it ends well when it goes away. People well, get understanding about who they're othering. I think it's interesting yeah. that Ken Paxton's last great crusade was an anti-trans crusade. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I think he got to be too much for the Republicans, and he wouldn't have been impeached without his own party impeaching him. This is true. Yeah. This is, I this is that very, too. very true. You know, there was a study years ago, um, I read it in the Washington Post about um, there's a, they, they looked at, at where people live and their, their cohorts and in community, and 74% of white people do not, through the course of their day, encounter people who are not white. And they live, in, mm -hmm. they live in white communities. They go to white churches. They shop at predominantly white grocery stores. And they don't have peers and do not seek out mm -hmm. peers who are people of color or have a different religion or in any aspect are different from them. And that's a, I think that's a problem. You know, and they want, they expect everybody to be a melting mm -hmm. pot. Well, you haven't melted anything into your white, your white world. <laughs> right. You know, um, that's that's a problem. Yeah. And guess guess how it gets expressed? Guess where, what it leads to? It, it leads to this, mm -hmm. what we're experiencing today, and especially in our community. Um, not pretty. Yeah. We can do better. <laughs> so we're we're just about yeah. out of time, and um, it is Pride. So do you have any words of advice for people who are even a little bit worried about going to Pride this year? For me, I would say that um, if they are worried, it's good to you know it's good to honor your your fear a little bit, be a little bit cautious, have your antenna up a bit. But I wouldn't stop that from going to Pride or from going out and expressing yourself. It's important to push yourself. It's important to push and to be able to be there to show that we're together as a community and to help us all move forward together. And that's what's really going to change attitudes is when we join hands, not raise fists. And when we actually show that we are out there and we're powerful and that we belong. Well, Greg, I want to thank you for being with us again. Oh, thank you, Greg. Always, been, always a pleasure to speak with always you. Always enjoy your, your visits to our show. Thank you, David Laurent and the late Patty. I, you know, <laughs> by the way, can I just say, you kept calling her the late Patty, and I was like, 
I was very worried there for a minute. And I'm not I dead. I'm not dead. <laughs> well, I've been on the show now. Loretta, I've been on for like 23 years. All right, all right. And uh, 24, almost 24 years. And um, and there was a period of time where I was pretty, I was sliding on two wheels. <laughs> <laughs> So for all of us here at Lambda Weekly, happy Pride. And Greg, thanks again for being with us. Thank you, guys. Happy Pride. Happy Happy Pride. Pride.